The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. Beloved, we gather for ordered worship to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England, NPR WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved, today we conclude our lessons from St. Luke, whose gospel has guided us by lectionary these 12 months past. We shall miss his voice. We have heard his voice, and today we hear his passionate remembrance of Christ the King. But what kind of king? In St. Luke, one familiar to poor shepherds seeking mercy, one known in the mercy of a foreigner, a Samaritan, one mercifully hunting the whole world for the lost, like a woman cleaning or a shepherd beckoning or a father weeping, one who does not discount the discount on debt mercifully given by a dishonest steward, one who embraces with mercy a tree-hidden tax collector, and one who says in his very last word, his last will and testament, his last breath, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke's Jesus is the king of forgiveness. May our prayers and our sung Kyrie make each one of us more forgiving today. Let us pray. God, help us, we pray, in this coming week to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as you in Christ have forgiven us. Amen. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Colossians. Chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred 
us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have, be, have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsibly verses from the psalm with the antiphon. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us, 
in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness for him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of the salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patre and the reading of the Gospel. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. Glory to you, O Lord. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by, watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. It is hard to think about Thanksgiving and not think of food in general and turkey in particular. So attentive are we sometimes to the meal itself that the formal Thanksgiving prayer we offer ahead of the meal can become an afterthought unless carefully we pause to think about a prayerful recipe for a real thanksgiving, not just for the meal, but for the prayer, not just for the body, but for the soul. That is a thanksgiving medley of nourishment for both. The meal, the turkey, we leave to you. But here in Sermonic Guise, we offer a recipe for the prayer come thanksgiving. A thanksgiving medley. First, clean. That is, as you begin to prepare your prayer, you might want to clean the outside of the prayer. Pluck its feathers, wash its torso, get rid of the fluff that does not feed anyway. Especially this year, perhaps we can dispense with any note of pride or self-congratulation that so easily enters the heart. Remember St. Luke earlier, citing the Lord, his dominical saying, Lord, I thank thee that I am not like other men, extortionists, liars, or even this publican here. Jesus discreetly and directly proscribed such prayer. Pluck, clean, and here is what you find. Most of us, most of who we are, and even more of what we have, is pure gift. Our Our genetic makeup, our history, our natural surroundings, our upbringing, our humors and talents, our religious tradition or lack thereof. For all our vaunted independence, we depend, utterly depend, truly depend, we are deeply dependent for what counts, life, forgiveness, eternal life. For all our vaunted enterprise, we have relied on others and have been shaped by others. Is there a better city in North America in which to remember that than our own beloved Boston? As a city, as a people, as a nation, as a church, we are the creatures of the courage of others who in one sense or another themselves gave the last full measure of devotion. Most of what we are even, and even more of what we have is pure gift. As my surgeon friend said once, if you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know he did not get there on his own. The psalmist sang this as we did with him a moment ago. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably upon his people and redeemed them. My friends, This is why the patterns of gratitude, day and week and month and year and all, are so important to the soul, your soul, and so good for you. That is, you find a daily way to say a word of thanks or write a note of thanks to someone, somewhere, somehow. Thank you. Good for you. You find a way to worship on Sunday to bestir yourself and enter a community of faith shoulder to shoulder with other unfeathered bipeds so that if nothing else, once a week in public, you may say thank you to God, to life, to others, good for you. You find a way once a month to be in service or in mission. Ministry is service. Today, our students and others gather at noon to go and pack meals for hungry children. Tomorrow, you may send off an extra Thanksgiving check to the Philippines. Good for you. That is, you have found a rhythm day, week, and month, and also year by year for arranging your finances to match your values. You give. You give by percentage. You give by plan. You tithe. You make a plan and plan your giving and give by your plan. Good for you. You think hard and long also about your will, 
your end-of-life giving and what it will be, and so you model that dimension of spirituality for your children and your grandchildren and others. Who knows, maybe your estate itself will include some kind of tithe. Good for you. A daily note, a weekly worship, a monthly service, a yearly gift, a concluding bequest. These are patterns of gratitude that shape the soul and heal the earth. Good for you. Continue to be generous of spirit. As you're offering your prayer, remember this Thursday, to give thanks means first to pluck the birds less generous, more self-centered, less magnanimous feathers one by one by one. Second, season. Cleansed, our prayer is ready for a little seasoning, personal seasoning. Real gratitude is real personal. Prayer is intimate. <coughs> prayer is personal, like a sermon, utterly personal, like a photograph, utterly personal. A prayer of thanks is thanks for what makes a personal difference. Thanks for a friend sent along by life's surging current. What a precious gift. Thanks for a spouse met, married. Thanks for a child. Thanks for a child saved from untimely death in a car accident. Thanks for a lawsuit avoided or weathered. Thanks for an assault survived. Thanks for a family fence mended. Thanks for a vocation. Thanks for a vacation. Thanks for an exciting new job. Thanks for breath, for breadth, for board, for all. Thank you, we say in prayer. The eternal flame, which Jacqueline Kennedy imagined and had installed atop the president's grave, is a flickering reminder to us all of what his tragically foreshortened life nonetheless gave our common life. Beloved, I hope this holiday season that you and I, that we will keep a sort of eternal flame flickering atop our lives as well. Our span of life, three score and ten, upon this earth is starkly brief. Yet each soul carries an eternal flame, a lasting marrow, a heavenly destiny, a personal dimension. You have an angelic prospectus. And so you want to live, you will want to live, and to speak, and to choose, and to act, and to do, and especially to pray with a recollection of eternity, under the aspect of eternity, subspecie aeternitatis. You know, Mrs. Kennedy, in the days following her husband's murder 50 years ago, we were reminded this week, somehow found the grace to send a handwritten note of condolence to the wife of a Dallas policeman who had also been killed in those same hours by the same gunman. There is a merciful, eternal flame flickering in such an act of kindness, partly because it is so personal. Others may not understand what you're going through, such an act seems to say, but I surely do. We went northward toward Montreal in 1981 to serve two little churches with two little children and two little money. We went to Montreal in order to study for a PhD 30 years ago so that one day, who would ever have known it, we would be able to come to Boston and teach in a school of theology and preach in a venerable pulpit in Marsh Chapel and offer pastoral care to an academic community of 40,000. But you can't see it then. Be glad for what you do not have right now, for it is strangely the doorway into what you will have. That summer of 1981, a dear relative gave us an old car 
an old red Ford Mustang convertible Anno Domini 1973. It was a real boat, white top, black interior, and rust all around. Said the donor, it won't last more than a year, maybe just six months. When you're done with it, leave it in a field. <laughs> but do you know, it lasted 10 years. It was such a thoughtful, helpful gift. The right thing at the right time in the right way. No words could ever convey our gratitude. Thanksgiving is a day to make a personal shout, to cry from the heart. Thank you. Some years ago, Alice Walker appeared on late night television. She said, to my hearing, two stunning things. She said, at middle age, I'm learning to slow down so that whatever life intends for me will have an easier time catching up. And then she said, after many minutes of huge compliments for Nelson Mandela and what he had done for South Africa, she reflected, of course, he is a great leader, but the point is that each one of us is to become such a great leader. Personal, personal, very personal. This is why our friends are so deeply, lastingly meaningful to us. My dear old North Country friend, the Reverend Max Coots, now long gone to glory, wrote one Thanksgiving, I remember his words each year, let us give thanks for a bounty of people, for children who are our second planting, and though they grow like weeds and the wind too soon blows them away, may they forgive us our cultivation and fondly remember where their roots are. Let us give thanks for generous friends with hearts and smiles as bright as their blossoms, for feisty friends as tart as apples, for continuous friends who, like scallions and cucumbers, keep reminding us that we've had them. For crotchety friends as sour as rhubarb and as indestructible. For handsome friends who are as gorgeous as eggplants and as elegant as a row of corn. And the other, plain as potatoes and as good for you. For funny friends who are as silly as Brussels sprouts and as amusing as Jerusalem artichokes and for serious friends as complex as cauliflowers and as intricate as onions. For friends as unpretentious as cabbages, as subtle as summer squash, as persistent as parsley, as delightful as dill, as endless as zucchini, and who, like parsnips, can be counted on to see you through the winter. For old friends nodding like sunflowers in the evening time, and young friends coming on fast as radishes. For loving friends who wind around us like tendrils and hold us despite our blights, wilts, and witherings. And finally, for those friends now gone, like gardens past that have been harvested and who fed us in their times that we might have life hereafter, thereafter, all these days. For all these, we give thanks. A sermon does not conclude the preaching for the week. A sermon begins the preaching for the week. The point of a sermon is found later in your active personal articulation, in a prayer, in a journal, in a letter to the editor, in a simple devotional, and this Thursday in a thanksgiving medley. Sit down ahead of time, write it out, make it personal, season it, season it properly, find your devotional tongue, season it personally. Third, cook. Cook the prayer. Cook it in experiences of adversity. Let the adverse experiences of life Make your prayer and your soul tender. If nothing else, our own hurts make us more empathetic to others. 
One of my forebears in the ministry long ago used this line and it has stuck. It's nothing to remember a line for more than 30 years when it is a real sentence like this one. He said, let the heat of adversity make us tender. Sometimes nothing else will. This is a difficult point. When I heard my friend utter the line, because I knew his experience, I wept. There is no way finally to understand, let alone justify, the heat of life at its worst. But we can pray that such adverse experience will humanize us, that such heat will make us tender. Let the bird that is the prayer that is the bird cook, simmer. Cooking makes the prayer tender. Life's heat can make us tender too, if we will allow time and heat and patience to mold us. Think of Paul. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because of the love of God that has been shed abroad for us. When I engage the struggles of my own beloved denomination, Methodism, I hear the ringing bell of hope here in Paul who knew suffering. And I see it and read it this week in the fine phrases and letter of Dr. Thomas Frank of Wake Forest. Let the heat of adversity make us tender. Beloved, think again today of the Christ, the King, the Redeemer, the King of forgiveness, who himself entered the darkest sphere of suffering, mocked as a common criminal, but carrying through the cross and the crosses of all of life a remembrance of the eternal. In the radio congregation today and in the visible congregation today, there are many who know this very well. You have graciously preached this, this sermon in your own lives. You have faced adversity and so become spiritually sensitive. You have felt physical pain but have learned redemptively to manage your suffering. You have suffered loss and survived. You have managed suffering redemptively. You have worn the ancient scriptural clothing, afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, and so you do, do not lose heart. For th though the outer nature is wasting away, the inner nature is being renewed every day. Friends, for all the heat, your thanksgiving prayer this year will be most tender and most sweet. Here is a Thanksgiving medley, a recipe for a prayer on Thanksgiving Day. Clean it, season it, cook it, cleanse it of pride, season it in person, and allow the heat of adversity to make it tender. For example, it was this recipe that my Boston University religious life leaders on Wednesday perceived in our predecessor, Dean Howard Thurman's exemplary Thanksgiving prayer. He wrote, Today I make my sacrament of thanksgiving. I begin with the simple things of my days, fresh air to breathe, cool water to drink, the taste of food, the protection of houses and clothes, the comforts of home. For all these, I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I bring to mind all the warmth of humankind that I have known, my mother's arms, the strength of my father, the playmates of my childhood, the tears I have shed, the tears I have seen, the excitement of laughter, and the twinkle in the eye with its reminder that life is good for all these, I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I pass before me the mainsprings of my heritage, the fruits of labors of countless generations who lived before me, 
without whom my own life would have no meaning, the seers who saw visions and dreamed dreams, the prophets who sensed a truth greater than the mind could grasp, and whose words would only find fulfillment in the years which they would never see. All these and more than mind can think and heart can feel, I make as my sacrament of thanksgiving to thee, dear God, in humbleness of mind and simplicity of heart. We are now entering into a time of prayer. Please assume the position most comfortable for you to receive the presence of Christ in our midst. Kneeling in your pew or or near the altar rail, sitting or standing. Now let us reflect on our call to prayer, lead me Lord. response to each prayer is, Lord, hear our prayer. For our religious and political leaders, who now more than ever must remember the example of the ultimate ruler, Jesus, who is more notable for kindness and benevolence than anger and aggression, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For areas of the world affected by natural disasters, especially the Philippines, as they continue to navigate the difficult road to recovery, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all those who are suffering from affliction, whether that be mental, physical, or spiritual, that they may know that the Holy Spirit is still lit within them, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who have passed away, and for those for whom the loss of their loved ones have left them in desolation, that they may know that the kingdom of heaven is near. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the prayers we hold in the silence of our hearts and in thanksgiving for a new liturgical year full of hope and promise. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Now please join us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, now and forever, amen.
peace of God be always with you. Good morning. Marsh Chapel thrives as a heart in the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city. And it is with open hearts that we welcome you into this warm, bejeweled, vibrant space on a very chilly November morning. We're so glad to have you with us. And please know wherever you are on your spiritual sacred journey, you are always welcome here. Please join us in our weekly ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact info on the red pads at the center of the pew and pass them to your neighbors. This will help us get to know you better and help you know one another. You can always find information about Marsh Chapel events and updates on our website at bu.edu chapel. And you can also find an, a chance for online giving there. Marsh is a living and breathing space. We're constantly abuzz with new events and exciting things coming up every week. Just to highlight a couple for this week, right after the service today will be our coffee hour, which you are all more than welcome to join us with. Also during the last hymn of today's service, you can go with Jamie Dingus, Jamie, will you stand up? To take all the children um, out for Christian education with Jamie in the basement. So she is gonna process right down the aisle. So feel free to line and step right behind her if you wanna go join Christian education today. Also, there's a Thanksgiving, a free Thanksgiving meal for BU students on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday from one to three at 100 Bay State Road. If you're interested in going to that, the last day to register is tomorrow. So please email me or see me right after the service and we'll make sure and get you a free ticket. Also, if you're interested in doing the Interfaith Meal Packing Project, Caitlin White will be meeting people on the Marsh Plaza at 1 p.m. to take them over to Harvard to do a service project in the spirit of Thanksgiving. And we have an exciting announcement from our chapel associate, Jess. Good morning. I am so excited to announce to you that uh, beginning next week uh, is the new liturgical season. Uh, we'll be starting the season of Advent. And in that spirit, uh, we are starting a new project called the Sustainable Advent Project, which is a joint contribution between the God's House Rule Christian Sustainable Practices Study Group, which meets on Sundays after chapel, and the ministry department here at uh, Marsh Chapel. Um, and it, what it is is sort of a virtual advent calendar. Uh, and our idea is that we want to focus on advent as a season of anticipation and preparation. And in doing so, we want to focus on the simplicity that is necessary to be able to enjoy Christmas when it finally arrives. So each day, an email will go out with a scripture passage, a devotion written by one of the Marsh Ministry staff, and then a sustainable practice that you can try to enact in your daily life to kind of bring you in closer relationship with others and bring you in closer relationship with the earth. So if you are interested in participating in this, all you have to do is go to the Marsh Chapel website, um, go to the Life Together section, and there's a link right there that says Sustainable Advent Project, and you put your email address in, and we will put you on the email list to receive those daily devotion emails. I hope that you will participate in this exciting project with us. Thank you. We now enter into a time of intentional generosity. It is a joy and a grace to be able to give, and your con contributions will go to improve this chapel and the community that we live in. As we meditate on the song, Se Debit Dominus Rex, sung to us by the choir, let us call the ushers forward, and please won't you be as generous as possible.
the harvest, we offer you these first fruits. Bless them and us, so that your king and kingdom may come. Amen. Tireless guardian on our way, thou hast kept us well this day. While we thank thee, we request care continued, pardon, rest. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. <laughs> 